the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now today, the Lord has laid on my heart a message called Balancing My Christian Life. And for some of you, I'd like to maybe let you come into my life so that you'll know a little bit more about what I sense as core values or core principles or core purposes that I need to have in my life in order to be balanced. At the same time, for some of you, you might be looking at your life right now and you feel like the guy that jumped on a horse and he just went in all different directions because he didn't know where he was going. And so you're just thinking, I just go to church and I'll become a Christian and I'll live a life. And you really don't have any sense of where am I going and how far am I going on this track and is it really balanced? We have three children, two adopted boys and a gal we took in when she was just 18. Well, now our youngest son is 40, and that sure makes me feel old. But our son Joe called the other day. He does, he's calling a whole lot more now, and we're enjoying our conversations around spiritual matters. But he happens to be a certified personal trainer. Now, he's not one of those guys that shaves all the hair off his body and stands there all greased up. But what he does do is work with old fogies like me to help make sure that our bodies are finely tuned. And so he was sharing with his mom what he has been teaching others because he does teach them about health. And what he basically says this, that in order for us to be healthy, and I'm going to quote him now, he says, to the degree you are balanced in the following areas, and then he lists those areas. He talks about, first of all, in strength training. Not that that's the first, but it's one of those, so that you're getting the right strength. And then he also talks about being balanced in cardio so that you're getting that heartbeat up and running, and that you're balanced in proper diet. And even being balanced between eating right and exercising, your diet has to be proper. And I thought, well, I've got a proper diet. I eat my peas, popcorn, peanuts, and pizza. I thought, you know, what else more do you need? And he says, no, Dad, that's not it. And then he added sleep in there, and there's a lot more coming out about how healthy we would be if we would sleep right. And the last part of the equation for us to be balanced would be in the area of flexing. And I don't mean flexing, but stretching and those types of things. And I think you know that. So he is saying, Dad, if you will do these things, then you'll have an element of balance in your life that will contribute to greater health in your life. And we really appreciated that. And then we kicked it up a notch. And we began to talk about our spiritual life as well. There's a verse in Scripture that where Paul is teaching his emerging leader by the name of Timothy as Timothy was pastoring a church. He said, Timothy, bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is, but also for the one that's to come. So bodily exercise is not bad. It just needs to be put in the proper um, perspective, the proper priority. So we concentrate on ourselves physically true, because if we're not right with clear minds and healthy bodies, and we won't be able to take God's word and apply it properly and then actually live it out because our bodies will be shot because we didn't take care of 
the temple, which the Bible tells us. Our body, for Christians, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it talks about being healthy spiritually. Well, I thought that too is interesting because in the Old Testament, there are various names of Jehovah. One of those we often like is Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. We love that, especially when we trust him to provide for us when we have a need in our life. But there's also another name for the Lord. It's called, and I like this, Jehovah Rapha, which means God who heals. And all of a sudden, we go right into the area that, yes, God will heal you when you're sick and you've got problems. And then we talk about how that there's healing and it surrounds itself through verses that people say it's in the atonement. And they spend a lot of time talking about the healing of the body. Well, I certainly do not want to minimize that God can heal people in his divine will at his divine time. But I believe that there's something a lot more in that, and that's the healing of ourselves, spiritually speaking, because no matter how healthy our bodies will be, they will all eventually deteriorate and die. If you agree with that, say, uh-huh. That's why this verse says that godliness, that spiritual health, is not only for this life, which helps us now, but also prepares us for all the rewards that we'll receive from the Lord when we lived our life out properly in our life. So if that's the case, and balance is important for health... And health then will help us to grow. By the way, that's a very important little equation. That if I'm balanced, then I will be healthy physically. We know that already, but spiritually as well. Then we will grow. And so some of you might be asking, how come I'm not growing? I really want to grow. I think I'm doing the right things. So maybe there are some questions that we could answer today. It would be, what would be some of the ingredients that will help you to become balanced? Now, obviously, if you'll just take the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, or some people say from index to maps, if you'd like to do that, then you would be balanced. But I'd like to suggest to you five areas that deal with inreach, outreach, and upreach that will help you to become balanced. Now, I'm doing that because we want to have a heart surrender to the Lord. And so I'm asking you today that you might want to take some notes. And where you feel like you've got that conquered in your life, you put a little smiley face by that and you say, praise the Lord. He taught me that. I'm learning that. I'm growing in that. And then if you have an area that you're not doing so well, you can put a, a sad face or maybe even a skull and crossbones if you're just not doing it at all. I don't know. But I'd like you to look at that. And with a humble heart, and I speak to that as my brothers and sisters in the Lord, not down to you but with you, if you'll take an inventory to see what do you need to do for a mid-course correction, no better time of the year than to start now on balancing our Christian life. And I want to suggest these five areas. Now, I want you to know that this message is not only going to be directed to you specifically about areas that you need to work on, but I also want to speak to us as brothers and sisters as a church now, because I believe that God now tells us that not only are we to help you to grow spiritually, but part of a church's responsibility is to facilitate you in those areas by providing the type of ministries that would help you to grow, either to help grow you from within or to give you an outlet to use what you're growing in for the glory of God. So I want to talk a little about the church, because I believe now catch this now. We talk a lot about churches, that they are balanced churches, they'll be healthy churches, that they're healthy churches, they'll be growing churches. I, you know the, the mantra, you hear that all the time. But I would like to take that to a different area. I believe that if you are a balanced Christian and we all then surrender ourselves to the teaching of God's word, at least in these five areas, that together we'll be balanced and the result then will be, will be a balanced church. Then a result will be, will be a healthier church and the, the balance will be the ending product, the result of all of this, the benefit will be, praise God, a growing church to whatever degree God wants us to be. So while we'll look at you as an individual, I'm kind of double tracking with you so you could see how we would do as a church. Now, those of you who are on the beginning of your journey with God and you came today and you're saying, I'm suffering so much, I don't even know if there is a God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I want you to know I love you too. So what I'm going to ask you to do is you look at this message from wherever you are in your journey with the Lord. And I want you to know that some of you that are struggling right now, it could be because you don't have these areas in your life. And if you begin to see these in your life through trusting Christ as Savior, then I'll tell you right now, your life will take on greater meaning. doesn't mean you won't have problems, but it does mean this. You will experience authentically the problem solver in it. And that's what I say amen to. Are you ready to go on our journey? I am ready. So let's get out our pens. Those of you that brought a Bible with you, we're going to flip around a lot, say a lot in Ephesians, but go to other places. Those of you that are trying to track in your electrical device to do that, your, your smartphone or whatever, that's great, your iPad, but we're going to kind of click right along to other verses. So if you want to, you can do it or watch it up on the screen. So what does God want me to do? What are some areas that I need to work on in my life? So number one is God wants me to be a member of his church. Now, I just threw that out first. I don't know that that's need, needing to be the first or the most important, but God does want us to be a member of his family. And so let's look at it here, a member of his family. I want to open that up to explain what we mean by it from Scripture. The first check mark says, by believing in Jesus Christ alone. I cannot become a member of his family by joining something. I cannot become a member of his family by doing any religious ritual, whether it's baptism or communion or any other thing we want to tag onto it. I cannot be a member of his forever family by doing any social good things like helping the homeless or giving money or whatever else. As good as all of those things are, the only way I can be a part of his forever family is by believing in Jesus Christ. Would you now look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9? Because I want you to see what it's all about here through this verse. Would you read it out loud with me, everyone, as you see it there? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So wherever you are right now, when we talk about becoming a member of his family... In order for us to be a family, then we have to be brothers and sisters in Christ because if we're not, then we're not a part of the family. Now, I know the Ohana concept here on the island is you just stay around the house long enough. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. If you live here, you can even be my, my Hanai sister, my Hanai father, my Hanai son. I realize that that can happen, but we're talking about something more. We are talking a little bit more about blood. Now, we're not talking so much about the physical blood, our blood, but the physical blood of Christ that was shed for us on the cross. So we need to be brothers and sisters in order to have a family. Here's another way to put it. In order for us to be brothers and sisters, then we need to have the same father. And so the only way that God will become my father is if I'm born into his forever family. And that's where the blood comes in. Jesus Christ died. He shed his blood for us on the cross, rose again from the dead. And he looks at us and he says, if you want to be in my forever family, and if you would like me more than just your God and creator, you want me to be your benevolent father, the protector and provider for you. I will be all of that. But you must be born again. And how you become born again is not through doing some work, just like getting your own mom and dad's family. You virtually didn't do anything. They did it all and you were conceived. God did it all for you on the cross through Christ. You were born again. And for all those who have been born again by faith alone in Christ, you became brothers and sisters and we all have the same father. So again, God wants you to be a member of his forever family. Now, there are a lot of benefits for that. Obviously, that now gives you the right and the privilege to become intimate with God that there's no other way other than being a part of his family. Secondly, it gives you an institution of people locally and globally that have the same father. It also gives you the divine nature of God living inside of you and the Holy Spirit to give you all the ability to do what God wants you to do and what you should be doing, I should be doing, so that we could have a productive life. So we now have a power source we didn't have before and all the other privileges of the forgiveness of the Lord, the mercy and all of that. So becoming a member of his family is huge. 
It's not because God is alone and he's lonely. It's because of the benefits that he so graciously bestows upon us so that now we can become an object lesson to the unsaved of his grace and mercy. So again, it still ends up on God. He wants you to be a part of his forever family. So now here's your question. If God wants me to be a member of his family, to be balanced in my life as a human being, will you now trust Christ in him alone without good works, but strictly by faith alone in him? If you are, you become a member of his forever family. Let's look to the next point. The second check mark is also a member of his family by belonging to God's family of faith. Ephesians 2.19. Would you read that out loud together with me? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Would you take your pen, if it's your Bible or notes, and would you underline the word with? So that means you are never alone when you have a family. Now, I would like to bring this a little bit tighter now, not just to a family of other people who believe all over the world. And it's unique. I don't know about you, but when I travel and I find that as I begin to talk to someone and they are, I, I learn that they are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, there's a uniqueness. There is a bonding. It, has that ever happened to you? Would you raise your hand as that when you run into a Christian you never met? There's that specialness. I read that if you're a mother and you've had twins, when you're in the mall and you're rolling your twins in their little carriage and another mother, the other mothers of twins are especially drawn to them. In one of the churches I pastored, a woman had, a mother, wife, had two children. They had twins. That was her first set. The next time she was pregnant, she had triplets. Can you imagine that? All right. There is a special bonding. Well, there's a special bonding of believers. Now, I enjoy that when I'm traveling and flying and talking to other people. But listen, listen, listen. I believe now God is bringing it down to a little bit more than, hey, you're a brother in Christ, high five. I believe he also wants us to be a part of a local group of people so that we can love and really see the people long term to love them. And at the same time, we can be around them when we crash and burn and we're hurting or we need something. And those people have made a commitment to be with us. So we're, we're also in a place where we can love, but a, a place where we can be loved. And so that's what I'm looking at. So with one another. But go back to that verse again and circle the word and members of the household of God. Now, technically, I know this is probably speaking about the universal church, not so much the local church. But on the other hand, I don't know that it is. I don't know that I could just say it's only speaking to the universal church because this was written by Paul to a local body of believers and he was reminding us how important it is to be a part of the household of God. Maybe you'll identify with this. The longer you're involved in churches and Christianity, here's what you often hear. The people that are not a part of, let's say, international, they will say, that church. The people who attend but not our members, they will then start referring to it as this church because they've been coming a while. But once you become a member, you then say, this is my church. You can say anything you want, but don't say nothing about my church. But those that grow in the Lord, it's no more that church, this church, my church. We've come to the point to say, this is God's church and we are the sheep of his pasture and he is the great and mighty shepherd in our life. But you know, to know that, we need to be around one another. Now, let me see if I can make the distinction a little bit. The difference between believing and belonging. What does it mean to believe in Christ? It means I trust Christ. What does it mean when it says I become? We use the word commitment. You see, I'm now committing myself to a local body of believers. The Bible, all over the New Testament, Paul writing, 
talks about the body of Christ is like a human body. The church is like a body. And it talks a lot about eyes and nose and ears and mouth and hands and feet and all that. But look for just a moment. We had a horrible accident this, this last two weeks ago. A military person was on a motorcycle racing to get to work and weaving in and out of Eva Beach on the road. You heard how he lost control and he slid on his bike. And when he did, he was going so fast that his body hit the guardrail. But when it did, his arm wrapped around the guardrail and it severed his arm. Now, he bled and he died. But let's say there was someone there. It wasn't so tragic. He did lose his arm. His body would be healed. They could not reattach that arm. Would his arm then grow another body? No. What would happen to that arm? It would shrivel up and die. So perhaps it could be that while we are part of God's universal body of Christ, there's something special about being a part of a local body of believers where that we have now said, you know, there probably is no perfect church, but this is the best we have right now. And there's a bunch of trade-offs. And in my value system, the things that I want to trade off is I want to make sure I go to a church where the gospel is given correctly, clearly, compassionately, and consistently. I want to go to a church where the word of God is taught and permeates all of its decisions. I want to go to a church where people love each other and when they step on each other's toes, they're quick to apologize and get recorrected again. I want to go to a church that thinks about maybe these five that we're going to learn here today. Yeah, we might not have other things that big downtown churches might have, but we do have the Lord. We have each other and we want to be a part of this. So in your mind right now, you want to be a member of God's forever family by faith alone. And if you have not yet come across the line to say, you know what, I have been kind of attending, but I need to have that sense of belonging. Well, we have another Discover International so that you could know a little bit more because you want to make a wise decision before you commit. That'll be on a happy day and a sad day. That next class on a sad day is April 15th, tax day. It's a happy day because you're going to meet people that will never tax you. They will really love you. I might also say, and never attack you as well. Let me give you some practical things that you might think of when we talk about the membership. So that you don't leave misunderstood, I am not talking about that you go to a class, sign your name, get voted in, and now you're a card-carrying international kid. In other words, it's all about membership and signing up and all of that. For us, in our purpose statement, We don't really just talk a lot about membership. We do a little bit, but we talk more about encouraging participation in the body of Christ. We would use the word active, participating, involved. In other words, when you come, you look to add value to other people by encouraging them to lighten their load in some way. Now, we have vehicles for that. There's a lot of work that goes into making our Aloha time. How many of you in the last month have either have taken one bit of refreshment or some food off the Aloha table in the last month? Would you raise your hand? I know looking at you, you sure took a lot of them. No, I'm just joking, but coming back to this. But maybe some of you says, I love the fellowship. I love hugging on people. I love saying Aloha to them. Maybe you'd like to be a part of that Aloha team and find out what's going on because sometimes the fellowship that you have is actually serving one another, not just going to eat and talking to one another. And that might be something that you'll do. One of the things we've tried to do around our church is to have this attitude that when there's an event, we have something either before it, but most of the time afterwards for the purpose of you learning one another, making some of your new friends, who is out there that you can help or who could be out there that you might need when you have something in your life that they can meet to you. So we have special events. Family camp will probably be you that are mainlanders that are going to go to our family camp for the first time. This will be the most different family camp that you've ever been to. 
Mainland camps are usually you get up with the kids, you go to eat with the kids, and then you separate from all the kids, and then you get three hours of Bible in the morning, an hour maybe in the afternoon, you meet back again for dinner, then you go back to your separate meetings, you have meetings at night, that's family camp. Our family camp does have some Bible in it, but a whole lot of opportunities to sit around, talk about the Word of God, meet with your family, meet a little bit separately, play with your family, learn about some new people that are in church. Ohana camp is all about becoming a part of God's family and feeling like you genuinely belong. Let's go to number two. What would be the second area of balance? And that would be God wants us to be a model of his character. God wants us to be a model of his character. Well, the first check mark is this, by becoming like Christ, spiritually mature. So you could just simply say, by becoming spiritually mature. But our example is Christ. Look at Ephesians 4.13. Let me read it to you, but have your pens ready. It says this, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You got your pens ready? Here we go. We all, circle the word all, because when I circle something, it's kind of like, oh, it's all inclusive. So... We're all concerned about our boys and girls and our youth and our young adults and everybody here of every age that we would come to the unity, underline the word unity, that means we all want to think the same things, saying the same things, we want to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Now put a number one by this phrase, unity of the faith. We all want to grow up in the faith, the soundness of the body of doctrine. Then it goes on to say, and the knowledge of the Son of God, put a number two by that. That's why when we teach the Word, we taught theology to the guys for almost a year. We try to bring in theology. You that are going to be here for our Gospel, stu- Gospel of John study, there will be the, the theology of deity. But, listen, listen. We want to know that theology, the body of truth, to increase our faith, because that will do it. You know the Word, it will increase your faith. But, it says, into the knowledge. That's the word epigenosis. We want you not only to have the orthodoxy, but we also want you to have an intimacy with the fullness of Christ. That's how you become like him. You can't have the fullness of Christ if you've got false doctrine or incorrect doctrine at the, at the best. The only way you're going to really know him intimately is if you have sound doctrine in you, so we want to teach the soundness. But a lot of people, they can parse all the Greek, argue every doctrinal point, but at the same time, they live almost like Satan because they do not have an intimacy with the Lord. It has not brought them into the full knowledge of the Lord. It goes on to say, it says, to a perfect man, mature person. Some versions will say a complete person. So it could imply that we are growing but not fully complete until we have knowledge of the faith and experiential knowledge of Christ. Then it says, to the measure of the fullness of Christ. So you want to become like Christ. So here's my question to all of us right now. Do you sense you acting more, becoming more Christ-like this week than you were a month ago? And some of you might say, man, I'm growing so fast in the Lord now, I can tell myself that I'm better and different and more Christ-like today than I was even last Sunday, Pastor. I applaud you. Some are going to be fast growers. Some are going to look back and say, it's over this last year, it's been a slow but very deep growth because I'm older in the Lord now. And I've learned a lot. And so now these things are a little bit deeper than I'm growing in my knowledge of the Lord. Are you becoming like Christ? If you're not, you're not going to become like Christ just by attending Bible studies and church services. You're not going to become like Christ just by worshiping, clapping, dancing, raising your hands. You're going to become like Christ when you have a knowledge of the Word and you allow that knowledge to bring you into an experiential working of the Holy Spirit through Christ in your life. That's how you become more and more like Christ. And that's what we want to do. God wants us to model the character of Christ. Let's go next check. It's not just becoming like Christ. Because a lot of us can become like Christ from an attitude. We have more love and compassion and mercy and grace. But it's by behaving with the deeds that exemplify Christ. 
there is the aspect I am saved to serve. So it is becoming like Christ, but it's also becoming and behaving more like Christ. So let's look at the verse. It says, we who are Christians now are his workmanship. In other words, he's working on us. We're created in Christ Jesus, once we trusted Christ, for good works. So underline the word for, and then put two lines under good works. I, I am designed by God, created by God, not just to sit, soak, sour, study, but I'm here to serve by doing good works. And then it goes on to say, which God prepared beforehand that we, and why don't you put an X through the word we in your notes and put the letter I there, that I should walk in them. Now, walk is a series of steps. So it's not just one step. It's that your whole life, when you get up in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, every single day, that you are walking with the idea of doing good works. Now, let me try to split a little bit of a hair here for you, okay? I don't have time to unpack all of this theologically, but listen carefully. Some people would say telling the truth is a good work or a good deed. I would like to say generally that is true. It is good to tell the truth. Always good. It's always right to do right, Bob Jones used to say, and I think that's a good phrase. On the other hand, I'd like to split it up a little bit because while we're doing right by telling the truth, you have a lot of people that are very, very godly, but they never do anything to reach other people. They never get involved in anyone else's life. They never try to serve to make other people get to know the Lord more. So they're almost like a telephone pole Christian. Telephone poles, they don't lie, cheat, steal, smoke. They don't do any of that. They just stand there. They're just good telephone poles. But it's when we now decide to reach out, that's where we're designed for, to be quality, godly people. That's the belonging and behaving like Christ. Now the behaving part stretches out to doing a series of good deeds. So here's my question to you. As you look down over your life, have you now committed yourself to the Lord to say, Lord, I am not here just to exist. I'm not here just to survive. I am here to thrive in the area of looking at the needs of other people. Who out there right now could call you on the phone and you would be willing to immediately adjust your plans, if possible, reasonably possible, to go do that for them? You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.